We've got a tremendous session for our final session today. It's titled CRM for Everyone, the Age of Intelligent Marketing. And the uh, gentleman that's going to be doing it for us, he's the Vice President of Customer Experience and CRM at Ray Strasser. He's got over 13 years of professional experience in advertising, telecommunications, financial services for Fortune 500 companies. So he knows all about CRM, digital marketing, you know, marketing automation, data, and the analytics you need to have to help your business grow. And he's going to be introducing some panelists he'll have up here with him. So let's give a warm round of welcome to Lenny Kwan. Wow, the Canadians are dominating the main stage today. I think, Rich, we might have to start changing this to running Canada. <laughs> it was about a year ago, I stood in a small breakout room with about 100 of you, introducing the concepts of CRM. And there was a race director at the back of the room that said something to me that changed what I do every day since then. At the end of the session, he said to the room, we can be better. We can be better at marketing. We can be better as an industry. We can be just as good as those corporate companies. We just have to get started. And man, did he nail, nail that. It was so motivating and inspiring to see that the concept of CRM could be so revolutionary to this industry. And it put me on a mission, a mission to help all of you to educate and to paint a vision of where we can get to together. For the last year, I've been traveling the country talking to many of you, race directors, timers, industry leaders, and what I found was that about 90% of you still didn't have a proper CRM. 50% of you still didn't understand what CRM actually was and what it could do to benefit your organization. And many of you today here might be in the same boat, and that's okay. What I'll say is that it's not about your email database. It's not about your registration database. It's far greater than that. And one of the questions I ask race directors typically is, do you truly know who your customers are? And the honest answer usually is no. How many of your organizations are customer focused? Do you truly know who, you, who your runners are? What does that even mean? Suddenly in this industry, it's more imperative than ever to know the answers to these questions. So many of you, will know the company Lululemon. They have a proud Canadian company that has a market cap of about 19 billion. You may or may not see them as a threat today. And many of you might be sitting there going, oh, Lenny's about to bring up a pretty controversial and risque topic. But the truth of the matter is, regardless if I'm standing up here talking about it or not talking about it, they're still gonna go down this path. And maybe there's something we can learn about them. Recently, I read an article in Fast Company about Lululemon, and the data geek in me fell in love with the brand all over again, and here's why. At Lululemon's headquarters, 
they have a secret innovation lab called Whitespace. The objective of Whitespace is to use science, technology, and customer data to develop the future products. In a crowded marketplace where you have companies like Nike and Adidas all developing high-performance clothing and marketing things like compression and moisture-wicking properties, Lululemon thinks differently. Different because they believe that everyone will experience the exact same conditions differently. So the Whitespace team is developing new products that are tailored to the customer's movement patterns and personal preferences. Movement patterns and personal preferences. Pretty cool, right? It makes a lot of sense. But where I fell off my chair was when I learned about how they were going to do this. So the Whitespace team has developed a new innovative way to capture data about customers that goes beyond size and measurement, including questions that are more subjective in nature. So the team has developed a new digital profile that you can go online to fill out as a customer, or go in store and use a tablet to fill these out. And it's data that's focused on how you feel in your clothing. So for example, they will ask whether you prefer to move freely in your clothes when you run, or whether you prefer to be tightly supported by your clothes. And they have a customized treadmill where they capture data about the movement patterns of a runner. It's called the signature movement experience. So I ask you again, are you customer focused? We cannot be event focused anymore. We can't just look at the experiences on event weekend. If we're going to learn more about our customers and provide them the experiences they want, we need to start asking how they feel. Events are unlimited, but customers are finite. Retain those runners, build a brand following, and ask them about the experiences that they desire. And the experiences that they desire can be captured in today's digital age. We are in the digital revolution. And in the digital revolution, it's about how we're going to understand and interact with the digital interactions in our day-to-day -day business. Find new ways to interact with our runners. Find new ways to capture data about our runners. And find new technologies that are going to help us better understand the digital footprint of our runners. And ultimately, at the core of all of this, it's about how to funnel all of that data into the CRM. 90% of the world's data was created in the last 12 months. Google, there's more than 40,000 searches every second. YouTube, there's over 4 million YouTube videos being watched every minute. Snapchat, there's over 500,000 photos every minute. Tinder, there's over a million Tinder swipes every minute. Someone in this room's got to be swiping right now. Facebook, 1.5 billion active Facebook users daily. And Instagram, almost 50,000 photos every minute. 
In the last 10 years, the digital landscape has changed as these social apps have come to the fold. You got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. They consume our attention. Facebook, it really didn't take off until about 2008, 2009. And look at where we are today. We're uploading photos, commenting, liking, and constantly checking our feeds. And regardless if you like social media or not personally, we've barely scratched the surface of this in our industry. So I'm probably pointing out the obvious. But what I don't think you're seeing is that it's actually not about today. It's not about the digital revolution that we are in now. It's about what's coming next. For most of you in the room, the way you interact with technology will be the most basic you'll ever see in your life today. The phone, the laptop, gaming platforms, over the next 10 years, they're going to seem like the handheld radio. And ultimately, what's coming next will require CRM to be that foundation. So we are in the digital revolution now, but we're about to miss the golden years of it if we don't act now. So, I'd like to run a little poll. Um, while I was traveling across the country at the Running USA Accelerator Series in almost every city, someone asked this question, is, is Facebook still a good platform to advertise on? Is it still relevant? Because I heard people are moving away. So I want you to take a second to vote. I had this question also come up today during the race camps, too. Some people were commenting, oh, I'm moving away from Facebook. All the cool people are moving away from there. Okay, cool. Good. Okay, so now I'm going to show you the stats of Americans in 2018 and where they are in social media. So let's flip back. Okay. Majority of Americans use Facebook or YouTube. In this study, YouTube was only tracked in 2018. They didn't have historical data. And look, Facebook and Instagram, they're one company, the top two social platforms. And when you break this down by age group, where the sweet spot for runners are 25 to 29 or 30 to 49 in those two middle, Facebook and Instagram are the top social platforms with a heavy, heavy influence on video content. So for those people that are still not quite sure about Facebook, it's absolutely critical. Everyone's still there. They've changed the algorithms. It's maybe harder to get to your customers, but it's an important, important, most critical platform. So now that I've kind of talked about all of these general data stats, let's, let's talk about the data that we have. Okay? This is a snapshot of the type of data, or most of the data, we collect. And for many of you, they're probably still in Excel sheets, sitting on your laptop, tucked away, or maybe it's still on paper, or in an application that you don't have access to anymore. And for some of you, you're looking at this, and this can be pretty daunting, all of this data to look at. It may even trigger some deep anxiety for you. 
But for me, I see treasure. I see treasure because I have the map to this treasure. And that treasure is going to get me to what we call the single view of the participant, the single view of the customer. We tend to look at the data that we have event by event today. Hey, I've got my one event. Let's look at who's coming back and the people in there. But really, what we should be doing is focus on the individual, the single view of the participant, then look at the events that they're a part of, and then layer in all the data that they have. So yes, we have registration data, we have results data, we have marketing data, MailChimp, Constant Contact, those are probably the two platforms that you're using. Those platforms, they are great at telling you about how good your email is doing in your campaign, but can you actually tie that back to the individual and say, hey, there's 20% of my audience that uses email and the rest they don't. Do you know the answer to that? Purchases, we all get the reg data, but what about donations, fundraising dollars? And someone said to me um, last night, travel. People spend a lot of travel. Do you know what's happening with those dollars and what they're spending to come to your event? It's an important metric. Digital social, super important. But how many of you can tell me how many of your runners are actually on Facebook or Instagram or what their handles are? How do you tie that back to this individual so that you know more about them? And are you capturing some important data that comes from social like psychographic data. Psychographic data like I love to cook or I love listening to classical music. Sponsors, sponsor activation. What are you doing to tie back that data so that you can provide not just a general data set back to your sponsors, but you can say, hey, I've got these targets, female, male, age, and so forth, and here's some psychographic data, which is what sponsors are asking more and more about. How do you tie that back? And lastly, support. I talked about this last year. I truly believe this is one of the next big things that we need to solve. We all do a great job of support on race weekend, but that issue email that just came to your box, do you know if that's a loyal runner or a first time runner? That might change the way you react and respond to that email. So CRM, it's the foundation of all of this. It ties all your data together. And it's typically the best way to understand your customer. And it's the foundation for every successful business. But as I'm speaking right now, the needle has already moved. Many of you have multiple events, silo data, no single view of the participant. But as I'm talking today about CRM being that foundation, that holy grail of getting to the single view of the participant, CRM is actually selfish. It's selfish because most companies want to use it internally. And what we want internally is about getting higher registrations. How do you build how do you build a long-lasting relationship with your customers if you're always giving what you want to them? 
How do you build experiences? And not experience on event weekend, experiences all the time, all year round. How do you build those memories and those lasting friendships? The new, next evolution is already here. And just when you thought you had it straight, I need CRM. The finish line moves. And so it's all about building new experiences. And experiences are built through engagement. And this concept is called customer engagement management. It's about the ongoing engagements between a customer and a company. But most importantly, most importantly, it's about what the customer wants to hear from you. Not what you want to give to the customer, what they want to hear from you. Last year, I talked about what influences my ideas and my approaches. And it's the various experiences from the industries that I've been a part of in my career. I take the best practices, learn from others, and adapt it to our industry. And it's this, it is this that's going to build those new experiences, create engagements that will ultimately help us achieve getting a higher customer value. So how many of you believe that you're creating engaging content today in your marketing? Let's just take a quick second to do this poll. Let's switch over. So, many of you probably know I like doing experiments. So, I'm doing another one this year. And in this experiment, I included all of the events in the room today, plus more. And what I did was I signed up for about 120 plus newsletters. And so before I go into the details, the point of this isn't to tell you you need a newsletter sign up on your website. And yes, it may not represent everybody in the country, but it's a pretty good sample size. And it'll give us a glimpse of what you're doing and how you're engaging your customers. I did this over about a three month period um, over the break. And let's see what happened. So, when I went to all the event websites, 7% didn't have a newsletter sign up. That's okay. But of those that I did sign up for, 4% had broken websites where I couldn't sign up for the newsletter. Better check. And most surprisingly, only 1%, only 1% sent me an email back that said, here's something about my event. And that event was in Hawaii. So I'm going, oh, great. That's going to be my next race. And on average, there was about two emails um, per month coming in. Now, this next step might shock you, or maybe you won't. 80% were price increase purchase call to action emails. It's like, Lenny, buy, register, 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 donate, register. Price increase, register. 
And so when I dig in further, the percentage of events, 40% of those events only to this date have sent me price increase emails. 60% had a blend of price increase and engagement content. Peel it back one more layer. Of those that had a blend, the blend was a 65 price increase to 35% engagement content. That was a fun little experiment. But then I thought, maybe I'm being a little too narrow-minded and only looking at your email channel. So on the plane ride down, I audited about 20 Facebook pages of events in the room. You know what? It didn't get much better. Price increase emails were about 60% versus the 80 I just mentioned in email. And interestingly, even though the engagement content went up, it was still very centered around what you wanted to deliver to the customer, not necessarily what they want. And I know some of the marketers in the room are probably sitting there going, no, Lenny, I, I create great content and I post on my page. But is that engaging for all of your customers? And so I ask you, are you how can you effectively deliver a message to all of your customers if you're only making one post per day on your page, and, and that's being generous. On average, it was like three or four posts in a week. When you have tens of thousands of followers, how's that one post gonna resonate with everyone? It's not. It's not. So I wanna go back to Facebook for a second because it's extremely, extremely important. Effectively, most of you are doing it wrong on Facebook. Yeah, I said it. And I say that because if you don't understand who your customers are, if you don't have a CRM, what are you targeting? We are using Facebook like it's the era of TV and newspaper. We used to create the one ad that we would publish in the newspaper, we would create the one TV commercial that we would broadcast the one message to everyone, and that's effectively how we're using Facebook today when Facebook is this amazing platform that requires targeted data, data based on demographic and psychographic information. Okay. So let me put it this way. It's like saying, I'm gonna type Google into Google to get to Google. So this is really going to be a journey. It's gonna be hard, guys but we're not gonna get better. We're not gonna get better at marketing if we don't get onto this roller coaster ride. So I wanna talk about some quick steps of like how do we get started down this journey of CRM. So the first step, you gotta start getting all your data into one place. You gotta start the process of cleaning it. I have one of my customers that's giving me 55 years of data. She's digitizing paper registrations because she truly believes in the amount of data around trying to understand that single view of the customer. And once you have that data, you need to analyze it because that's gonna tell you where the opportunity is. And wherever that opportunity is, you can start to build a strategy around it and you have to start thinking about it in a multi-year plan because it, honestly, it can take you three to five years for most of your organizations 
to truly adopt this strategy. I've heard too many stories this year and last year around people attempting to do CRM on their own and failing, and now they're scared to get back into it. So you've got to choose the right partners to help you along this journey. Implement a technology, and then start small. Don't try to bite off everything at all at one time. And lastly, change. Change management, training, and reinforcement of your strategy. And in my opinion, it's the first and the last steps that are the most critical in your journey to adopting CRM, and here's why. Data is the key to it all. Garbage in, garbage out. And so when I talk to my customers about data cleanliness and data governance, we use this data management framework to get the data to the best it can be because it's not a one-and-done task. It can cost you over 100 times more to clean bad data that's already in a CRM than to clean it at the point of entry into your system. And once you have all of this data, you need to continually find those duplicates, merge them on a regular basis. And every year, you have a new event page where you might be capturing new data. And so you need to think about how you're bringing in that data into your system. Don't use open, open text fields. You want structured data formats, like drop-down menus, checkboxes, radios, radio buttons, those sorts of things. And then you need to be constantly monitoring your data. This is a data framework, data management framework, that's going to help you to achieve that single view of the customer. And this is where partners can help you get to this point. So this is going to look like a typical registration file that you all see. And in many cases, you're running into these scenarios every day. And so this is actually all the same person. And as we kind of look through this from the lens of, you know, last year I asked about um, how many registration providers uh, an organization's had over the lifetime, and, and the answer in the room was around two or three. And so use that lens as you think about all the data that it could be moving from system to system to system. And so Jennifer signs up for her first race, and that's great. But then when you look at her second year when she comes back, there's missing data. She used a short form. And that's probably because she registered on site. And you all know how I feel about shortening on-site registration. You're losing such valuable data that's going to help you match back to those records that you have in your system. And then she gets married. She changes her last name and her email. And then lastly, she got her birth date wrong. And it happens so too often when we're looking at customers' data that people get the birth date wrong. And so all of this is the same person. And likely in your databases today, they're probably all separate records and different runners. So if you want to truly get to that single view of the customer and understand who they are, how much have they spent on the lifetime, the lifetime revenue of your participant, and other data elements, you need a data management framework that's going to help you constantly clean this. And not all technologies can do this. Some can, some can't. But you need to have this practice internally, even in your business processes today. 
So if you haven't caught on already, data is extremely important. And many of you are probably sitting there going, I don't have anyone that understands this type of stuff. And so that's why change, change management is so important. It's so important because you need to start figuring out, is this a skill set that I need to start to learn and change myself? Or, for in some cases, maybe the next hire I need to bring in needs to have some of these base skill sets. In some of the race camps this morning, people were talking about, yeah, I hire those young, young kids out of college that they're going to do all my social media. There's no different in this type of scenario around data and CRM. So I told you that this was going to be a journey and it's going to be a roller coaster ride. And the top reason why CRM implementations fail is because we don't invest or understand the importance in, that, in the people change, in the business processes changes that you have to do within your company, and the technology change that is involved. And so you're going to go through what we call a change curve, just like any roller coaster ride. I'm going to get in line, and I've got this high expectation and, and anxiety about I'm going to go on a roller coaster. And then I get onto the roller coaster. I'm like, yeah, I'm so happy. This is going to be amazing. And then they strap you in. And they strap you in, and then I take off out of the station. And I have this realization, oh, we're really going to go do this. And as you go up to the top, and all I can see is sky, fear starts to set in. Oh, did I actually make the right choice? And boom. You hit what we call the valley of despair. My stomach's coming out of my body. You might not want chocolate at that time. Um, but now you hit that first loop to loop and hostility kicks in. You're like, Lenny, why'd you get me onto this roller coaster ride? And once you get out of that, acceptance starts to come into play. And you're like, yeah, this isn't too bad. You're moving forward and you're like, wow, this is great. I got my hands up a little bit. And you, then you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Many of you can probably see yourself around this change curve, but this is where you're headed. And don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Believe that you can do it. Because we can't get better as an industry if we don't get on this roller coaster ride. So now, I'd like to bring up an organization that's just started on their journey um, to adopt CRM. So let's welcome Carlo Facino, Race Director from Mermaid Series. Welcome, Carlo. Hi. So, Carlo, can you tell me a little bit about um, your event and, and for those that don't know who you are? Yeah, so, so first, from being a race director and being out there, I can tell that everybody's head just completely exploded. <laughs> um, what, what Lenny's talking about is, is a lot to kind of grasp and, and ab absorb, um, but it's worth it. So, so definitely get on that roller coaster. Um, for me, you know, the Mermaid Series started as a women's triathlon. Uh, in 2004, I put on the first Mermaid event, and kind of uh, everything about that event was everything that I loved about the sport of triathlon. So people were out there doing their first event. We had about 300 women, 80% were doing their very first triathlon. And just the atmosphere was incredible. So I knew that that was something that I wanted to continue doing. I dropped all my co-ed events and just focused in on the mermaid. Um, from there, I added another triathlon and then 
branched out into running events. And so we now have seven events uh, spanning California, Colorado, and Washington. That's great. And so why, why does your organization think that CRM is an important strategy? Yeah, so, you know, as you're going through your event process, you have one thing that's really constant about your, your events, and that's really your customer. You know, your event venues can change, you can add events, you can drop events, but really your customers are what stay with you. And so what that means is we all have this huge Excel spreadsheet, and, and then it's kind of like, what do we do with this Excel spreadsheet? And so that's really where CRM comes into play. It's, it's having that insight into who your customers are, what their habits are, what their frequency, are they coming back year after year, are they lapsing, all those, all those things that we look at this Excel spreadsheet and we know it's in there, but we don't have any way of accessing it. We don't have any understanding of how to, how to get that data. So, so having that CRM strategy is, is really important. And kind of taking a, a quote from Dave McGilvery earlier, you know, we're in the, we're in the business of health and fitness mm -hmm. and keeping people active. Mm -hmm. And the more that I can engage my customers mm -hmm. and the more I can keep my customers coming back to my events, mm -hmm. the more I'm, I'm not just a race series, but I'm like a training partner. I'm like a training coach. And so the more that we can really engage those customers, get them coming back out, understanding their habits uh, is, is huge. And that's, that's really where the CRM comes into play. So when, when did you come to that realization that you, you needed to change and that you needed to take this journey? Yeah, so um, in 2014, I, I literally signed up for Salesforce. Uh, we signed up for a Salesforce account. I went to some training groups, some focus groups. And by end of year one, I'd maybe logged in three or four times and looked at it and, and just got completely, completely like, you know, blown away by what it would take to get all of our data in there. Yeah. Cleaning that data is huge. I mean, to be able to really drop down and find out those duplicate participants, the ones who have, who have gotten married and changed their last name or moved or changed their email address, I mean, that's it's a daunting, daunting task. Yeah. And so um, after year one, I mean, we touched it once or twice, closed down the Salesforce account. And it was really then that, you know, I, I, I kind of knew that CRM was be big for our industry, and it was how can we find a technology partner to really, like, develop that and bring that into play? Because... I mean, it was clear that we didn't have the resources and the time to be able to do that. And now that you're back on Salesforce with a partner, and you're on this exciting journey, and it's working now. Yeah, we're, we're on that roller coaster. We're, yeah. we're coming back up towards yeah. the, uh, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you say are your biggest challenges in your adoption right now for CRM? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, people think technology makes your life easier, right? And to some degree it does, but it also really requires a lot of work. And so now that we're using a CRM and we've got this platform and we have this insight, there's still a ton of work that has to happen. You still have to go in and find the data, ask the right questions, do the right filters, find out who, you know, who's done 10 events, who's done five events, all these things. And it takes time. And, and really, you know, as a race director, I don't have a marketing degree and I don't have a marketing background. And so it's, it's been crucial that I bring somebody in on staff who, who has that. And you know, I was fortunate that a, a friend of mine has a marketing degree, uh, so he worked with me for a couple of years, and then he went and got his advanced marketing degree. And so now that he's finished his um, advanced degree, he's back working with me. And I mean, to have that resource and that knowledge of somebody who understands the system, understands 
what creating personas for our events and creating personas across multiple events and who these people are and what habits they want or have and how to effectively market to them is, mm -hmm. is huge. So, you know, it, it takes time and it takes somebody with knowledge. And so how is Serum helping your marketing today? What have you been doing? Yeah, so, it, you know, we're, we're just getting to the point where we're getting into the system and really, you know, trying some campaigns and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we started doing loyalty discounts. Uh, we started looking at who's done one of our events. Uh, you know, we're, we're based predominantly in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we looked at all of our runners who had done any of our Bay Area events and people who had done five-plus events, three-plus events, and one to two events. And then we sent them different campaigns. And so the people who had done more events, they got a higher, we sent them a, a, a larger loyalty discount. Um, and so having that insight and being able to market to those people differently was a huge, huge benefit. And so we saw our retention rate, year-over-year -year retention rate, really increase. Um, so for example, our, our San Francisco event, which was in, in, in November, um, we went from essentially 17% year-over-year retention rate to 26.5% year-over-year retention rate. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah, and, and then just recently, in fact, on Saturday, we had our um, Mermaid Half Marathon San Diego. And so I just before this got to look at uh, kind of what our year-over-year -year retention rate was. And from 2017 to 2018, we had a, um, we had a, seven, we had a 16.5% retention rate. 2018 to 2019, we were 26.5% retention rate. So again, I mean, these are, these are huge increases in your retention rate, which we have to be able to do in our industry. We have to be able to keep those customers coming back, keep them engaged, and, you know, for, if we're their training partner and we're able to engage them and keep them in this health and fitness industry, then, you know, we're winning. That's amazing, Carla. Such great success with your marketing. Thank you so much for spending the time with the audience today. Yeah, thank you, Lenny. So how many of you in the room, just raise your hand, knows what your retention rate is? OK, not too bad. So last year, I talked about how our, the, wrench, the retention rate year over year for industry was around 34%. So we decided to crunch the numbers again for the events all over in 2018. And it's declined 5%. We're now down to 29 when it comes to year over year. And it, you know what? It's not that surprising knowing how many organizations are still not on that journey to CRM. And so why is this important to know this data? Because depending on where you fall against this benchmark, it's going to tell you about the opportunities that you might be missing. Do I need to focus on bringing back my runners? Or maybe have amazing loyal runners that I now need to start new acquisition marketing. Or I might need to do upsell, cross-sell to the people that I already have that are loyal. This is going to be extremely important as part of your strategy in determining where you're going to go with the CRM when you first start. And so once you have figured out who's your low-hanging fruit, it's time to get personal with them. 83% of customers 
appreciate receiving personalized and relevant information. And personalization doesn't mean you need to be overly intrusive or create this unique experience for every single runner. It's more the question of high value segmentation. Segmenting your customers based on patterns, groups, and behaviors. Your goal is to create 40 to 50 high value segmentations. So I'm going to go back for a second on my rant on Facebook and why I don't think we're doing it properly. Ads on these networks need to be contextual, even in the email channel, needs to be contextual to your runners. Okay? So it's going to be effectively different if you have, it's going to be effectively different in the, the content that you create or the, even the image that you post when you have a 25 single male who loves yoga who lives in Los Angeles versus a 40-year-old female Latino who has two kids and loves cooking and lives in San Diego. These ad platforms require all this targeted data about your customer, the demographic and the psychographic data. And then you need to create the contextual ads that match those segments that you've created. That's really the secret sauce. So now I want to bring up someone that is already on their journey in CRM. And they're in the thick of it when it comes to personalization and segmentation. So let's welcome Michael Cruz, Senior Director, Brand, Consumer, Community, and Partnership with the New York Roadrunners. Hey, Michael. So, so I have to say that I agree with Carla. My head exploded. <laughs> but also, I feel like I was afraid of coming up here because I thought that Lenny was going to blame me for all the bad practices up here. So, Okay, Michael, so um, the first question for you, how, how important do you think CRM is for our industry? What's your perspective on it? Um, you know, CRM is probably uh, critical for everyone, mm. critical for us, because it, you need it to make intelligent, data-informed decisions. It's, yeah. it, it's incredibly important for us. Um, we as an organization, New York Roadrunners, we're first and foremost a mission-driven organization, which means that we want to engage a variety of audiences from uh, our runners, to our boosters, the people who love the sport, to community leaders, to PE teachers, all of these people that we're trying to influence. And, you know, they all have different personas, as we've talked about. So with such a diverse audience, we have to really start to look at how we're communicating them. And it sounds cliche. Mm -hmm. The right message to the right person yeah. at the right time. And it's really important. And it's interesting to see some of the uh, things that you put up because... Mm -hmm. First of all, it's content. Um, you know, we think of ourselves as event organizers, but when you really think about it, your event is a piece of content. Your finish line is a piece of content. When people are uh, posting on social with their selfies in front of a logo, that's a piece of content. So we're ultimately, we're, we're content creators. So when we look at our content, we have to do th things that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're guilty of registration and getting people to convert, but really what the way that we look our, at our content, our content strategy is to look at it from 
on sometimes we want to talk about registration. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we want to talk about engaging with a consumer lifestyle, their health and wellness, nutrition, mm -hmm. what they do besides just running. That's got to be the that's got to be more of our communication. But as a mission-driven organization, most of our our communication and our content needs to be about our values as an organization. So we literally look at that at that we look at the person um, con you know the the personas that we that you talked about, mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to people to understand timing. Timing is going to be based on what you're trying to achieve. Acquisition, retention, expansion; those are all key key things for your CRM. Expansion is interesting because it's not just about expanding your user base, but it's also expanding the things that you can offer them, the content that you can deliver to them. At the center of this is data, as you've mentioned. This, at the center of it really is a customer and the data related to it. That, so that's really important. The data collection around it is super important. Um, and when we collect data, because we know that we have to survey things, we make sure that if we're going to survey something, we don't do it just because. There's a purpose for it. If we can't answer the question, what are you going to do with that data, we don't ask it. It's that important for us to make sure that we're delivering the right data. So how long have you guys been on this journey so far? Ha. So um, I think like, like a lot of people, you know, journeys are something that have been around that you intuitively know about those journeys. Um, but it's, it's, it hasn't been a long time, and we're mm -hmm. just starting to, to oops, and we're just starting to, um, we're just starting to get into the journey mapping and trying to do all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about CRM, you got to practice. I mean, we're just practitioners. Uh, Carla mentioned we A-B test everything that we do. We make sure that we have the right timing. Um, registration opens. When registration closes, we're, we're practicing every time that we want to create that relationship with the, with the customer. So can you tell me or tell all of us a little bit about the runners? Um, sure. Our, our personas, our customer personas. So we actually looked at, uh, we've done some research and we have, we've boiled it down to six different types of runners and you can see them up here. And I think some of these are going to be very familiar to a lot of people. We have our competitive runners, our fitness runners, our casual runners, our aspiring runners. And then we also have the other group of the engaged parent and a PE and coach. The point of this is not to get into the detail here. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that we've taken the time to really understand each of those different personas and what their needs are. Mm -hmm. From there, we develop a, a, a communication strategy. Who is this persona? What is the insight of that person? What's the key barrier to get them to do things? Mm -hmm. And then what are the different actions that we want to take um, from a short-term and a long-term um, outcome? That's the way we really look at, at our personas. So you had mentioned about journeys. Can, yeah. you, can you talk a little bit more and explain to people what is the journey and, and what is the runner journey yeah. um, for your runners? Yeah, like I said, journeys are, journeys are you know, they're, they're somewhat intuitive to a lot of people, right? I mean, you register for a race, you train, and then you finish. I mean, that's the basic race. It's really about filling in those gaps along the way. So what I'm sharing with you here is, is what we, we have for the TCS New York City Marathon. Um, the journey really starts at the apply period. The apply period starts right after the end of the last marathon. So we really are trying to acquire enough people in order to apply. There's two key points during this journey. Now, this is what you're seeing here as a full year journey. There's two key points that we really focus on to really engage that runner. Mm -hmm. Number one is the post-apply. Uh, and that's when people find out whether they got in or mm -hmm. they didn't. But there's two different journeys that just, that just 
um, branched off from that. The excited person that, that happened to get in, um, and then there's the 80% plus who did not get in. We're managing that their journeys in different ways. One way for the person who didn't get in is to offer them other things, to mm -hmm. talk about our values. Mm -hmm. When we think about the person who got in, now they have to worry about training. What's the right gear? Right. Do I have the right nutrition? Yeah. The other key point is the point right after they finish the marathon, the glow. It's a key point for us to engage with our audience, not just for the race itself, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. but everything else we have to offer them, other races, training programs, mm -hmm. our virtual products that we're developing. It's an opportunity to engage beyond just the event, but to engage with them mm -hmm. fully throughout their entire journey. And if they don't get in, you're, you're likely funneling to the other events, because you guys have for tons sure. of events. For sure. Look, people yeah. aren't going to get in. We've got the complaints. Yeah. Jesus. NYR, what are you doing to me? I've been doing this for six times and I still haven't got in. Yeah. We get those. But we, it's, it's about managing that. You know, yeah. Some people will fall off and they'll come back the next year. Yeah. But some people will start to say, gee, I can run with a virtual trainer and I've got into another marathon. Well, I can use an NYR product for that. Yeah. So we're really trying to, and that's the attention, uh, uh, acquisition, retention, and expansion. Expansion yeah. of, of offerings that we have. So we're really thinking about it in those three mm -hmm. different And ways. that's really important because you're, essentially, even those people that drop out, you're engaging with them even though they haven't made it in all year round still that's right. for the next year. Uh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. For okay, sure. Cool. So, you know, what role does technology play um, in helping your team execute, you know, this journey or if it's campaigns? Yeah. Um, Tell, tell us a little about the technology side of things. Well, well it's, it's kind of funny. If you think about a, a customer journey and you, the journey mapping, if you, if you, if people, how many people here have spaghetti and have like raw, you know, the, the dry spaghetti? You pull it out of the package, it's this nice, straight, dry piece of spaghetti. I wish every journey was a straight line, it's not. Imagine if you take all that package of spaghetti, boil it till you almost kill it, throw it against the wall and look at it. That's multiple customer journeys. Technology helps to break that down for us. It helps to, helps to change the way we actually look at those customer journeys and helps us to look at specific points that we can engage with our audiences. So as an example, one of the things that we, we like to do is uh, tell stories to engage people. So very relevant, something happened here that was pretty significant in September of 2017. It was Hurricane Maria, devastating. Well, we identified through a number of different ways that we, we get these stories, um, three people uh, from Puerto Rico, and they used running as a way to recover, not just the, the land and their homes, but also personally. So we take these stories, we, uh, and we develop them, we use our PR, we push them out, and then we amplify them. Um, as you can see on the screen, you can see how we've amplified it. We've told this in a blog story, and then we also amplify it through our social media. These are ways of engaging the audience and engaging our runners in a much deeper way. Okay, very cool. And you told me a little bit of a story about some of the other personalization that you're doing. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about that example? So, so technology can be pretty daunting, right? I mean, we're looking at tools right now to get the right CRM tools. So Carlo had Salesforce. We're looking at different ways of you know, getting different uh, CRM tools. But it doesn't have to be perfect. Connectivity with all of your resources, we don't have it. So it's, it's, it's a matter of what can you do in a simple way. So this is just an example of customization of what we've done. So we have a product that we launched last year called Virtual, uh, Virtual Racing. And what we did in the confirm email is just provide a little link. People click it. It goes to a PDF. And we auto-populate their name across a bib. So 
people started engaging. I, you know, I didn't. I had no idea that people were really going to engage with this, but they did. It mm-hmm. was so cool to see this. But it was a very simple use of technology, and you got to look at Alan here. So Alan, over in the in the upper runner left uh, side, she she used her bib for a laydown, a laydown of a virtual race. So pretty cool stuff when we see that kind of engagement. Very cool. And so you said something to me in an email just the, the other day around photos. Yeah. And I see that there's a sunset photo in there. Can you, yeah. can you just tell the sure. audience a little bit of what you said? Sure. So one of the things that, you know, uh, that Lenny is also, that you're talking about too, is like tracking the data. There's a wealth of information. It can mm-hmm. be super daunting. But one of the insights that we got from, from social listening with our social, um, our social media is that when we post pictures of sunrises or sunsets, our engagement rates go through the roof. Hmm. So what we did is we did a virtual race called Sunrise or Sunset, had, the, had people choose between one of the two, and we encouraged them to post pictures. So it just it was a nice way of involving the consumer and really understanding what engages yeah, them. The content does matter. Yeah, for sure right? it does. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much for spending the time, Michael. Great. Appreciate it. Great, thank you. Okay, so I wanted to touch on something that Michael talked about, the whole journey, the aspects of the journey. You know, they've really figured out, they've figured out what the customers, what they go through, and they're creating in content. Now that they've figured out the journey, they can create content that's going to be engaging throughout all those steps. And so as they're doing that, they're using technology to be very efficient and how to deliver this message. And so it's gonna be technology like this that you're seeing where he's gonna be able to get more effective at getting to the 40 to 50 high value segmentations, right? That is going to be the key if you can get all those segmentations across all those channels at the right time to the right person. That is the secret sauce. Memorable experiences start with engagement. Become obsessed with what your customers want, not what you think they want. And so I want to bring up my last guest, Jesse Rodmacher, Marketing and Communications Director from Twin Cities in Motion. Okay, Jesse. Um, so, you know, why does TCM believe CRMs an important strategy for your organization? Yeah, I can echo everything Carlo and Michael said, but I'm a little bit new to this industry, about a year and a mm-hmm. half in, and you guys have been really lucky. For decades, natural growth was happening, and you were seeing double digits, and you weren't really having to ask yourself tough business questions. Well, I was in industries that weren't so lucky. And so data is something that many industries have used for a long time to fix business problems. And so now that we've seen new challenges and questions that we have to ask ourselves as an industry, I think we can learn from um, other businesses that data is really what's going to let us know 
what our consumer behavior is, how we can reach uh, our consumers and deliver the needs and services that they want. So can you describe a little bit of how you started down this journey with CRM? Yeah, so one thing uh, I think happens when you are in an industry that has a lot of growth going on, sometimes you can become transactional and I think your <laughs> uh, email data points on your experiment show that our content hasn't grown with our business challenge. Mm -hmm. And so when I was interviewing and becoming a part of this industry, I thought, wow, this is a really transactional space. It feels that way. And so um, part of onboarding was really understanding that this is about relationships and that we need to uh, deepen those relationships with our runners, our sponsors, our volunteers. And so we essentially put all of our data into one place and we're able to uh, look at where we were at and look at where we have room for improvement in our relationships. And one of the main things that surfaced for us at Twin Cities in Motion was uh, a retention rate <laughs> that was not super favorable. So, um, you know, when I first learned about Twin Cities in Motion, what events you were doing, um, you know, can you explain a little bit about how the, the challenge and series races and, and how that was working with you guys last year? Yeah, so <clears throat> we had six uh, challenges that we delivered to our consumers. Four were year-round, and those individuals participated in four events, and it varied from all 5Ks to building up to... Um, our marathon or 10-mile event. Mm -hmm. And then we have two challenges that were only our marathon weekend where a participant would come and run with us both Saturday and Sunday. Um, over, I would say, the challenges in series saw good growth for a while. And in 2018, we started to see the plateau and even the decline that was happening. And when we put our data into a CRM, we saw the threshold of four races was maybe beyond what our consumer was willing to commit to. And so we kind of felt like we were limiting our options when we said our series are only these events, and um, it just so happens it was four events. And so when you looked at that data for events, what about those that ran like two or three races? Well... We were happy they did that, and yeah. we didn't talk to them. <laughs> yeah, but there were, when we looked at that data together, it, there were a lot of people. Oh. It was just that threshold of four started becoming a, a pretty big challenge. Yeah, we saw yeah. a lot of opportunity present yeah. itself. Okay. So, um, you know, now that you, you, know, you guys had this challenge on, on retention, um, and then you guys started to focus a little bit on looking at those loyal runners of the the people that did the two, three, and then you know the series and challenges of the traditional ones that you had with the four races. Can you tell everyone a little bit about how you started to focus on, on, on those loyal runners? Yeah, so beyond um, that threshold of the four races that felt too much for our consumer, we also felt that the series were maybe doing or presenting other challenges, potentially a price investment, we also have a race on 4th of July, but we live in uh, a state where cabin life is really important, and so people might not want to commit a cabin weekend to an event. 
So one of the other challenges we are looking to is how do we make a product that is adaptable and really built for the consumer that's removing barriers that potentially our Challenger series uh, products weren't delivering on for mm -hmm. the consumer. So I think where we, you guys ended up was going, hey, we really want to invest in this loyalty program. And so I put up on the screen what has, is in the public now that you launched, and it's called Rewards in Motion. Can you, can you tell everyone about what this program's about and, and what you guys are doing um, with it? Yeah, so on Marathon Weekend of 2018, we started registration for our new rewards program. And essentially, it is based on the theory. I think the best example is airline rewards or loyalty programs. So our consumers are both earning status as well as points or miles if you're in the airline industry. And so when we are looking at the data, one of the conversations that has cycled around our leadership and business table is, how do we thank all these people that have been with us for so long? We're inching towards our 40th anniversary 2021, put it on your calendar. Um, and so the, there's runners who have been with us for 30 years and we weren't thanking them and we weren't really acknowledging them. And so the opportunity that Rewards in Motion opened up for us was to be able to give thanks and retrospect to these individuals who have been running with us, but it also gave us a platform that now lets us give them perks and reward them for all of their interactions um, here going forward. So. so, you know, one of the things you had mentioned, you're coming up to the anniversary event. I think we all know when you start to hit that number, the next year typically is referred to as the hangover year. And so, you know, part of that strategy, can you tell us a little bit about the long-term play and what a program like this means to you guys? Yeah. So. As we prepare for the 40th anniversary and are thinking about the next year, one thing that the rewards program will let us do is provide a journey for the next several years that will give them a really positive experience in the 40th anniversary, but also entices them and gives them journeys and avenues to having them also be with us in the 41st year and let them um, build up their points, build up their tier so that they can really have experiences that they're forming and that we're not projecting onto them, but they're really choosing the path based on all the options that we give them. That's cool. And so how's that kind of changed your marketing strategy and your plan now? <laughs> well, it's done a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I had to budget about four months into my job here the first year, and I was looking at a, my predecessor's marketing plans and how money was spent, and I didn't feel knowledgeable. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to create a whole new budget without mm. knowledge besides gut instincts on being a marketer. And so I feel so much more powerful with CRM. I feel... Um, that we are reallocating where we actually see impact. And we're smarter because we all marketers know that it's much harder to get a 
new acquisition, a new runner, than it is to get a runner that's been with you. And so we know we had a retention issue, and as we build a rewards program that helps serves our retention issue, mm -hmm. I feel like um, it makes us smarter and more efficient and effective with our dollars. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming today and sharing this awesome, cool story with us. Um, thanks, Jesse. So I got to give a shout out to the entire TCM organization. You know, Virginia, Jesse, and her entire team, they are really committed to this journey of adopting CRM. You know, they have their board, their leadership team, their operations team, their sponsorship team, their registration team, and their marketing team, all part of this journey together as they adopt CRM. So just another round of applause for that organization. So, you know, one of the things that I found, you know, as I learned more about this industry, you know, I did a lot of research over the summer, and, you know, like Jesse said, the, these programs are based off of things like, you know, the retailer, the, the grocery store, the hotel, and, and, you know, one of my favorites, the airline loyalty reward programs. And you know that I love taking best practices from other industries. And so this is very relevant to all of us because this is going to be one of many ways, it's just one, one of many ways of how you're going to be able to engage with your customers all year long, create experiences and memories, right? Stop doing the price increase emails all the time. This is where you can start to engage with your customers and even learn more and capture more data about them. So, you know, the program's only been you know, about, I think, three, three to four months live now. So I'm just going to share some early results for you so you can understand what the impacts really are. So to date, we're almost at 5,000 remembers, 5,000 people just in four short months. And of the 20 plus emails that we've sent to this group, and we have created the high value segments, even just within this group, so not everyone got 20, you know, but we sent 20 emails. 70% open rate on average of our emails. When across the US and across all industries, the industry averages 23%. We hit 70. We had a 17% average click rate on every single email. When the industry is across everything, is but only 2.3. We have a really engaged audience. And for those that say email's dead, well, look at this. When you can segment and you can personalize every email on average, these are the rates. And so when we were ready to then send that, registration is open. Now, come and register and buy. 36% of them bought that day. That was the conversion on that one email every time we opened a race. And Remembers made 2.3 times more registration purchases than those that weren't in this program. So we started going, we need to bump this program up. We need to get more people funneling and signing up to this program. And TCM has only about three, they have three open events, actually one that just finished yesterday. 
And out of all the total registrations that they've collected today, 51% of them came from this program. Okay? These are three of their smaller events. They haven't opened their big marathon yet. And there's one really interesting stat that I, don't, that I didn't put up here, and I haven't actually told TCM yet, and I pulled this just earlier today. And we can't forget about all of the runners, the past runners. So out of all the runners, all the registrations that they have to date, 80% of them are past runners with the organization, 80%. And that's what you're able to achieve when you really focus in on that data, when you really segment down, when you really create contextual content to engage and create experiences. That is just a short glimpse of what programs like these can do for you. It's still early, but I think there's something here. So let's talk about loyalty programs in general and, and just the impacts. So across all industries um, and across the US, respondents said that 70% say, I'm more likely to recommend a brand that's got a loyalty program, okay? 77% say, programs make, uh, programs make me more likely to continue to do business with you. Or you heard Kevin this morning, he's, he talked about uh, a company called Loblaws, okay? This is a, a company in Canada that I engage on a weekly basis because they have a loyalty program that I'm a part of that the Canadians in the room will know. It's called PC Optimum. And it encompasses three grocery chains and a pharmacy. And so now, all I do is only shop there unless I need a specialty item. 63% that are in loyalty programs want to spend more with a brand just to maximize their loyalty benefits. So this is what goes through my head when I'm at the grocery store. I see the chocolate-covered, deep-fried, cream-filled donut with sprinkles, and I go, ooh, that's bonus points of 2,000? And if I get that, I'm going to get to 80,000? I got to get that. And so one of the ways that you, know, you can start to capture more data, more relevant data about your customer is through these types of loyalty programs. 87% of Americans are willing, willing to have their activities tracked or data given to a brand in exchange for more personalized and relevant relationships with you. It's out there. They'll give you that data. So just my final thoughts as we wrap up and do a little bit of Q&A. CRM, it's the foundation. But the ultimate dream is getting to CEM. Know who your customers are. Create 40 to 50 high value segmentations and then get personal with them. Know your retention rates. Focus on your past runners. And think, think about those loyalty programs for the future. The train has left the station on CRM, but you're all runners. You can catch back up, get onto the back of that train, and move to the front. We just need to get started. Thank you. So we've got, we've got two microphones on each end of the room, and we have time for a few questions. So just raise your hand. I'll get to you. Here, we've got one right here. Identify yourself. Let us know where you're from. 
Yes, thank you very much. I'm Mark Freudweiler from the Give and Gain Foundation. And I would be very curious to, to hear from you and, and the speakers, because the, the really pain point, I guess, is how that data got cleaned in the end. <laughs> because garbage in, garbage out. So who did that work? How long yeah. did it take? How painful was it? Thank you. Yeah. So for our customers, um, I have a team of very bright data people. Um, and we love dirty data. And the you know, customers just load it up, they give it all to us, and we sort through it. And part of this is having the right data algorithms in place to be able to do a lot of that type of matching and cleaning that's gonna be more automated. So you really wanna leverage technology first, but you gotta create algorithms to get that to as best it can. There's always manual work. Right? We sit there and we'll go like, hey, you know what? We don't like the matching on this, so we're going to go through it one by one. And it is one by one. It's a lot of work. But the payoff at the end, when customers are now using a CRM platform, they're going in saying, man, I can trust that data from the 55 years that I put in there, and now I'm responsible to make sure it's clean going forward and doing that ongoing maintenance. You got a question down there, Dave? Anybody else? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Come on. Yeah, I got one. You don't want to do it for me, Mike? Okay. Can I, can I actually say something? Because I know you're from Canada. Mike knows I'm from Canada. My name's Angela, and I absolutely love that you're breaking down CRM to rewards. One of the companies you just mentioned, I'm actually doing a big partnership with in four weeks' time. Um, I'm in the reward space. Uh, my company's called Athletica Rewards, Athletica Protect. And we are the first globally licensed digital wallet space in the rewards world. So we take points, and we actually make it cash. So you can actually work with us with races, events. Um, cool. The cool part is, is people can save it, so it's the digital bank. And we're a top 15 company to watch in North America blowing up the world right now. So um, if you're interested, there you go. Very there, cool. There's no question. I just wanted to share that with people. <laughs> I love what you're doing, and I'm looking forward to working with you guys, though. Absolutely. Anybody Any else? other questions? I think there's one in the middle, Mike. Dave's coming to you. Lenny, that was awesome. Thank you. So my question is, you were talking a lot about us sending the message out to participants. So could you help us understand how we can learn more about what they want to hear? Mm -hmm. Because you said, okay, don't just talk at them. Yeah. How can we find out what that message is? What do we want to say to them, and what do they want to hear? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say maybe one of the first places you can look, I'm pretty sure everyone does post survey result, uh, surveys after their event. Um, but the one thing that people aren't doing is, you know, they're using the application, and they're not capturing who is giving some of that feedback. And so what I've been encouraging a lot of people is saying, hey, great, use those applications to your surveys as long as you can then tie it back to the CRM and use structured data so that you can then analyze it and then start to categorize. So when you start to figure out, you know, you're probably going to start with like 10 segments first. You're gonna, it takes time to get to the 40, 50. 
But you know, if you start with 10, you can start to break down, well, what are those types of targets um, within that segment? And then start asking questions in your surveys or start to categorize that manually so you can start to capture some of that information. The other area is in just social media. You, you need to just start asking that question and then pulling that information back. I know some of that's manual. It, it definitely is manual. There's some of it's not. There's no technology that's going to just scrape everything from social and put it in a profile. But I think it's important to even start to get at least tap into those segments and look manually and start to pull some of that information. You know, asking more questions. Right? Don't keep doing the same sort of questions year over year. Start to change those questions. And like even how Lululemon's done it, right? Start to ask them about feeling, like the psychographic type of um, question to get that information. Because you know, um, over the Accelerator series, Troy, um, Troy Schooley from Pittsburgh talked a lot about in his sponsorships sessions that you know, sponsors are looking more for that type of data than anything else. So, it really is just getting started with asking those questions. Look at the data you have around surveys. Um, you know, Jesse's starting to use the loyalty program as another way to like, hey, in exchange for some more data about you, I'm gonna give you like 100 points, right? So you can start to find some of those mechanisms that are gonna help you, you know, get more information about the customer. But you know, you've got a lot of stuff um, at your fingertips. Some of it's going to be manual, but start with some of the stuff that might be a little bit more automated. Hey, Lenny. Uh, hey. Very interesting stuff. My, my name is Zach Grice. I'm with uh, Silverline. We do data analytics for events. You spoke about this primarily from the perspective of uh, building affinity and a relationship mm -hmm. with registrants. Mm -hmm. And obviously at Race Roster, you have all that uh, yeah. personalized information. Can you talk a little bit about how um, generating data on an event's larger community, their social media community, their website community, are uh, good complements to describing a full audience to, to sponsors and other stakeholders? So are you talking about how to capture the data that's you know, online, social, so you can funnel it back to the sponsors? Correct, yeah. Okay. Uh, so many sponsorships are now being activated digitally in addition to the, the, the registrant-facing yeah. promotions. Uh, what events that you work with are mm -hmm. doing a good job uh, sharing that, that total event audience? Yeah, you know, I think everyone's at the infancy stage, frankly. I think people know they want to do this, but they're trying to figure out how and also figuring out the resources to start to do stuff like this. But, you know, one of the first pieces that I advise some of our customers is start figuring out what the social handles are so that you can then pull that into your CRM so you know that these contacts, one, the channel that they prefer is Instagram or Facebook uh, and or email, right? Even just that data point alone. I know you can aggregate your account and go like, hey, I got so many impressions and all this stuff and it's more aggregate. But as soon as you start to pull some of the unique, like, hey, this individual, their handle is this, and then start to analyze that, you can start to provide a little bit more context 
around that data. And even that, even that might just be like, hey, you know, we've pulled all the handles across all our you know, um, participants, and that might be 30% of our, our database. So then you can go, well, 30% of that database is you know, female, or 50% is female, 50% is male, and they're in these age categories and all that, because you have the core um, data elements of that contact so that you can contextualize what's being pulled when you say we've got a million impressions that are coming from social media by the way their targets are like this, and then provide more rich data back to you know, your sponsors. We've got time for one more question. No? Anybody? Okay, you got anybody, for, uh, I'm sorry. So what do you be so shy for? <laughs> Now, now it's crafted? Oh, no. Hi. Um, so let's say we survey and get uh, all the participants' handles. Mm -hmm. Can we then use that to go back to those platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and mm -hmm. follow all of our participants well, to I, yeah. gain all that psycho data? Sure. Yeah, you know, there's nothing stopping you from following all of your participants, right? I don't know if they'll follow you back, but you can follow them. That's one way to engage, and, and you know, you should. I, I frankly think everyone should be following their participants if you know who they are, right? Um, if, from my understanding, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, they don't have the APIs that let you kind of, like, scrape all, everything about them. So from an automation perspective, I don't think you can like pull it in automatically. Now I've heard of some people finding ways to pull a little bit of that data once they have someone's handle. Um, but you know, I don't think that's like an open active thing that people have done. We could have done that like six months ago with Facebook, I think, yeah. according to the news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lenny, any final words? No. Oh, thank you. There we you go. Have any There's questions? Final. I'll be Let here.